Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's good to be here. And um, I was uh, in Texas at a camp director's meeting. Uh, and Rick DeBose was speaking. He's our, uh, now he's our assistant superintendent for the Assemblies of God. Uh, he was a general treasurer at the time, but he was talking about a message, and he said this in the message, the atmosphere determines uh, what lives or dies, and that stuck with me. The atmosphere determines what lives or dies, and it just, people ask me all the time, what is it? What is it about Wheat State? What is it? And, and that it clicked that it's the atmosphere. It's the atmosphere of the camp that makes it uh, to where kids come in and their lives are changed year after year after year after year. Um, the, Earth's vol- uh, the Earth's atmosphere is designed for us to live, isn't it obvious? Uh, 78% nitrogen. So most of what we breathe is, is nitrogen. Uh, 20% of it's oxygen mixed in there. There's some argon, carbon dioxide, and other, other gases and things like that. You could last weeks without food. You could literally go weeks without food. 40 days, right? For sure. One lady's like, nope, there's no way. But you could. You could go weeks without food. You could go days without water. But you're only going to last a few minutes without air. So the atmosphere really does determine what lives or dies. And, and I don't have time to go into um, all of these points, but I want to ask you, and you can ask yourself, as the, as the day goes on, as the week goes on, what's the atmosphere of my heart? I mean, we could spend a sermon on that. What's the atmosphere of my heart? What are the things that I allow in my life uh, that, that are creating that atmosphere to where it can live or die, correct? As a dad, what's the atmosphere of my home? Or if you're the leader of your home. Maybe, I don't know if a dad's not present, but... Uh, what's the atmosphere of my home? The way that I come in from work many times determines the evening that we're going to have. It really does. So what's the atmosphere? How do we change that? Well, we do, right? We change it by uh, what we say when we come in with, uh, again, do we smile or do we begin griping many times? You know, why isn't the trash taken out? Stuff like that. As a member of your church, you determine the atmosphere of this church. Is it always complaining about everything all the time? Or are you thankful? You know, do you come in with an attitude of where can I serve? How can I be a part? Amen? If you have your Bible, turn with me, John 8, 1. John 8, 1. When you're turning there, I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you for today, for what you're going to do in this place. I pray uh, that our hearts are open to what you want to say through your word, uh, that our lives can be changed today by the power of your word. Holy Spirit, have your way. God, I pray as I always pray. I just want to say what you would have me to say today. And uh, thank you for, uh, uh, for allowing us to be here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Uh, John 8, 1, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. Early the next morning, he was back again at the temple, and a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down, and he taught them. 
As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Wow. So just kind of like, you know, it'd be like today. Here we are uh, studying the word, uh, preaching, and then in through the back doors, uh, some religious leaders in the church, some of those guys, you know, they like to point fingers at everybody that does things wrong, comes through those doors with a lady that they just found caught in the act of adultery and brought her right here and left her. And said, what are you going to do today? How are you going to deal with this? That's what happened that day. Jesus was teaching. And uh, the religious teachers, they stormed in with someone that they had found caught in sin, put her in the middle of the crowd and said, let's see what he does. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says stone her, kill her, right? Right here. They put her in front of the crowd. Um, and it says they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. Uh, but Jesus, what does he do? He stopped, He stooped down and wrote it in the dust with his finger. We have no idea what he said. We just know that he took a moment, right? It got intense really quick. So Jesus is there teaching, and uh, he's, you know, there, a crowd gathered, just, uh, just to, let's hear what Jesus has to say, and then everything, chaos breaks out. The atmosphere changed. Accusation. There was this hidden agenda going on to catch Jesus. Sin was the ultimate problem. For the woman, we have to look through her eyes for a moment. All hope is lost. She knows I'm going to die for what I've been caught doing. And Jesus is all like chilled out, riding in the dirt. Verse 7 says, they kept demanding an answer. And so he stood up again and he said, all right, but here's the deal. Let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And he stooped down again, wrote in the dust, and he said, you need to, you need to absorb this. You need to listen to this. And we don't throw rocks anymore. We throw verbal rocks. That's what we're amazingly good at today. Uh, we, we have no problem uh, calling out the major sins in, in our world today, don't we? I, can, I mean, you, I don't even have to name them. You know what they are. The church is against them. And, and we, 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 we rail against them. And, and, uh, but you know what? They're verbal rocks many times when all people really need is this. They need hope. Do you realize that? They need hope. They need grace. They need forgiveness. They need exactly what Jesus gave this woman in this moment. Jesus is always going to change the atmosphere. The Holy Spirit is always going to change the atmosphere. So he said, all right, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. So when the accusers heard this, verse 9, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. So get this picture, right? Here's Jesus, here's this woman. And don't forget the crowd. They're in church. Everybody's watching. Everybody saw just what, what just happened. And I like to think of it as one of the coolest sermon illustrations in the world, isn't it? 
So Jesus stood up again. Remember, he was riding in the dirt. He stood up and he looked at the woman. He said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you after they realized what pitiful people they were? No, no, Lord. So Jesus says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. And that'll change your life, won't it? That'll change your life. And if I'm in that crowd that day and I saw a woman that was forgiven of a sin that should have led to death in that moment, that crowd almost witnessed a woman being killed by rocks being thrown at her, right? And it changed from all this tenseness that we're about to witness this lady die to she was just forgiven. Man, that changes the atmosphere, doesn't it? And if I'm in that crowd, like I said, my hope just went through the roof. Because I'm thinking about all the sin I have in my life. I'm thinking about all the things that I've done wrong. And I'm thinking, maybe he'll forgive me too. A few years ago, a friend of mine was uh, speaking at camp. And uh, I'll call for that next, next picture in just a second. Um, but he had these two cardboard boxes on the side of the stage. And uh, he invited students at the end of uh, the altar times, or whenever, you know, uh, whatever. If God says something to you, if there's a testimony, I want you to come, I want you to write it on the box. And so after a few, few weeks of, of camp, uh, these, these, these cardboard boxes were covered with these kids' testimony. And I remember going and, and sitting beside uh, them and just getting my phone out. I had a flip phone, it's been a while. And I began taking pictures, right, of these testimonies of what these kids had said. And, but there was this one. Let me show it to you. It's this next picture. Man, it, 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 it's, it's impacted me. I've, I've, I've seen it a thousand times, and every time I see it, I, I, I remember how it impacted me that day. And I've traveled across the state with this picture, and I've shown it in hundreds of churches. And, and uh, it's amazing. Um, I have an 11-year-old daughter. Uh, she's amazing. Her name is Ryan, and uh, I love her. There's not a day that goes by that she doesn't hear Dad say, I love you. And amazing, she's in sixth grade this year, and um, I'm working on my black belt in jiu-jitsu, right? So I should get it right about the time she's ready to get married. And uh, <laughs> she's in jiu-jitsu also. I've got a good plan. Are you with me? Uh, we go out on dates. I've taken her out on dates since she was probably four or five years old. I take my daughter out on a date. We just went out on a date a couple weeks ago. And so we go out to eat, and I'll take her somewhere really nice. And I, I, you know, we'll sit there, and we'll sit across from the table, and we'll talk, and we'll talk about how life's going. And she, she even gets into it now. She, she, like, puts her makeup on, and she gets all pretty looking. And, and so she really loves going out on these daddy-daughter dates. And so we, we go out to, like, Red Lobster's one of our favorite because my wife doesn't like uh, crab legs. I, me and Ryan do, so it's a good date. And uh, then maybe I'll take her somewhere and I'll buy her something nice. Um, or, you know, we'll, we'll go get ice cream or we'll go to a movie or something. And, and I'm really trying to ruin it for any young man. Uh, you know, it's, it, 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 I, I, just want, I just want to set the bar really high. As we, but I want her to know this is how I want a guy to treat you one day. This is, this is how a guy should treat you one day. 
and uh, so we have a lot of fun. But um, it's amazing. Um, I've showed this picture, and I've had grown women, 50, 60-year-old women, come up to me at, at the end of service with tears in their eyes, and they'll tell me this. That's what my dad called me. I don't understand that. Um, I have no idea this young person's backstory. I don't know it. I wish I did. Um, I've never met them. But here's the great thing about this story. This young lady came to an altar at Wheat State. And she knelt down and Jesus said, Hey, that's not your name anymore. I don't, know, I don't know her backstory. Jesus knew it. Jesus knew exactly what she'd done, or maybe she hadn't done anything. Maybe that name was just assigned to her. Uh, but she came to that altar and knelt down, and it all changed. And story after story after story, this is what happens. Um, let me show you really quick what we do at Weed State. We, we try to set it up to where it's really attractive for teenagers, so this next picture some of the fun stuff that we'd like to do. We have a blob, uh, we have a little pond, and uh, there's a zip line down at the pond, but there's a blob. I mean, where else can you go to, to get blobbed? Uh, you got to go to a, a lake or a treat center uh, to, to be able to do that. But, you know, you see a tower and a camper will jump off, and we put another camper on the other end, and it shoots them out into the water. But uh, they think that's fun. So we, we continue to do it. Next is our paintball area. We begin developing it down in a woods area. Uh, we used to have kind of a netted square set up, and we've changed it all. We're moving it back into the woods. Kind of feels more army-ish uh, kind of playing. But uh, again, we're looking at how do we develop things to where uh, you, you go to camp to do it, right? So this next picture is, um, again, something else. Uh, we, had a, we had a blue slide. Does anybody remember the blue slide? It had a really abrupt ending at the bottom, and kids kept getting concussions, so we had to change it. My insurance guy actually came out, and he looked at it, and he said, get rid of that now. So well, we had to take it down, but we built a new slide. This is a 75-foot slip and slide um, that goes down into uh, the actual lake area there. Next is some stuff. Again, we're just, we continue to look at what can we do to make uh, camp fun. Uh, well, I want students to go. I want to go there. I want that looks amazingly fun. Let's go. Let's have a big week. This is why we do what we do. This next picture. This is our tabernacle. This is about seven o'clock in the evening. It's probably still about a hundred degrees outside. You've got hundreds of students waiting to get in back doors, much like those. As soon as you open the doors, they run in. Forget this, 20 to 30 minutes of prayer. That's how they start church service. I can't. 20 to 30, and they run. They run in. I'm not kidding. To pray. And then after they're done praying, they sit down, they go through some announcements and things like that, and they take up speed, the light offerings. And uh, then worship happens, and I don't even think they're invited anymore. They just run. They just run from their seats to the front, and they go after God. I mean, it's crazy. It's cool. And after worship, they go, they sit down, they listen to a relevant message, and I always love to shout out to uh, Darren and Marlene Stroud. They do an amazing job as our district leadership setting up camps. 
Uh, they, they do all the programming for the camps. They take care of bringing in the leadership and the speakers. They do a great job. But, uh, so they, they pull in some great speakers. They speak to the kids 45 minutes, and then they do an altar. And um, year after year after year, uh, kids pack the altars for, for more of God, man. I mean, just for more of God. And so this is what happened uh, this year at camp. This next picture is our, our stats. High school camp, we do two high school camps, and then we do a middle school camp. So three weeks of camps, we saw 41 kids saved. 288 were rededicated. That's a big number. Um, here's why. Uh, I can take you two pastors in our district that uh, went to camp, got saved, and then backslid for the year. They go, they don't have a good home, uh, you know, they don't have that, that, that supported home, and so they backslide, and they come back to camp because they're like, man, I remember what camp was like, I remember what God did in my life, and so they come back and they rededicate their life uh, year after year. Uh, and then, um, 91, first time, Holy Spirit baptisms. You guys should be more excited about it. I thought I was in the Assembly God Church. Uh, <laughs> 91 kids were filled with the Holy Spirit for the very first time. There. Yeah. Do you guys know you're in Assembly of God Church? Uh, <laughs> okay, just checking. Uh, 147 were refilled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and 169 kids were called in the ministry. Isn't that crazy? 261 were healed. Uh, this is kids camp. This is next. We've never really got good kids camp stats because... Normally, you have this crowd of kids, and you're like, hey, how many kids got saved? And all 500 raised their hands. So, so we actually did a little different. We went back to, uh, we went back to their cabins, and um, they, they sit down with their counselors, and their counselors went through this list with them so that they understood what this meant. We had 126 first-time salvations this year at kids' camp. 216 rededications, 148 healings. Um, we don't know what healings are. Sometimes they're boo-boos, you know. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, my tooth hurt, now it doesn't. But that's cool, you know. They recognize that God's doing something. 79 first-time Holy Spirit baptisms at kids' camp. 45 were refilled. I love that number. 98 kids said yes to a calling to ministry, you know. Um, I mean, that's our future, isn't it? That's our future. And it's, it's exciting. Um, the elements come together for a thriving atmosphere at camp. When they pull on the grounds, there's a buzz. I mean, there's an excitement. What's God going to do this year? This next picture is a picture of... Uh, a friend of mine, Ben Marcellus, he's a pastor of Church of Hope in Kansas City, Kansas. It's a little storefront church, and um, it's probably 20 feet wide, maybe 100 feet long. And you, you go in, and uh, all the chairs are facing, you know, the, the, the wide way towards the wall. And I was there in January of this year. We had to shovel snow to get in the front door. And... Uh, but Steve, uh, so Pastor Ben is uh, over here on this side, 
And then he's got his arm around Steve. Steve stood up, and he was, he was, he was doing the announcements. And Steve said, hey, today, today's six-year anniversary. I've been out of uh, prison. And I was like, that's cool. i got to hear Steve's story. So after service, I did a service like this, and then I talked to Steve. I said, Steve, you got to hear your story, man. And he said, well, I was in, pers- in prison. I was a gangbanger, and I, was a, I sold drugs, and I got into a lot of trouble. But my mom told me about this church right around the corner from her house. It just, you know, is a church plant. And you got to meet this pastor, Pastor Ben. So his first Sunday out of prison, uh, he goes to Church of Hope, right? Six years later, he's still there. He's doing the announcements now, right? So beside him is Sarah. Sarah was his girlfriend. So he starts going to church. Steve gets saved, right? And Steve's like, you got to come to church. So he invites Sarah. Sarah starts coming. Sarah gets saved. So they get married. They have a little girl. Sarah's like, I need to invite my friend Copper. That's a cool name, isn't it? Copper. So Copper starts coming to church. Copper gets saved, right? Copper's like, I got a boyfriend. His name's Steve. I'm going to invite Steve to church. Steve gets invited to church. Guess what? Steve gets saved. So what's the point here? See, Pastor Ben knelt at an altar at Weed State when he was in high school. And God said, hey, I'm calling you to pastor. And he didn't know it yet. But he would plant a church so that when Steve got out of prison, he'd be able to walk around the corner and keep his life going. Isn't that crazy? God's got a cool plan. God's used Sweet State in some amazing ways. I could tell you thousands of stories. I could tell you hundreds of my own stories. Um, God's doing cool things. About a year and a half ago, we reshaped uh, the bow of our boat, right? So if... Uh, the, if, a, if a boat's designed one way, it can only go so fast. So in order to make it go faster, you got to redesign it. So that's what we did. We joined with what's called Christian Retreat Network. So this next slide will show you uh, 10 properties. We're now up to 12 properties, actually, in this network. And so these are all Assembly of God camps uh, in the nation that we're a part of. And uh, the marketing is taken care of uh, from one place, Christian Retreat Networks. So they take care of... Uh, calls. They call upwards of, I think, 3,000 potential customers for Wheat State. They send out emails. They send out follow-up emails. They send out really nice uh, top-of-the-line uh, magazines. Uh, we're in some of the biggest Christian magazines now. They manage our website, our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, all that cool stuff for us. And uh, so that's part of the network that we're part of. Becoming part of that, we had to make some changes Last year, our biggest change was we took over our food service. Before then, if you came to Wheat State as a customer, you brought your own cook, you brought your own food, you did everything. We just kind of rented the facilities. As of January 1 this year, we hired a food service manager, and so we've been doing all of our own meals. We do a two-entree buffet style for everybody. Um, super, super nice salad bar, drinks, dessert, and uh, so that's what we're now providing as part of, this is one of the things they said, hey, this is where you need to move into. Because of these changes, we picked up, I think, eight to nine brand new groups this year alone. It was incredible. It was incredible. 
But it took a redesign, you know, of, uh, of our boat to be able to do this. Next year, they're already stacking up some new groups for us, too. Uh, I think we're, we're going to grow next year somewhere in the range of forty to 50000 on top of the revenue we did this year. Uh, so God's doing some great things, but we still need uh, your help. And um, let me pause for a second. Who's gone to Woodston Camp? Anybody? Right? Everybody know we have a Woodston Camp? So Kansas has two Assembly of God camps. Uh, one of them is obviously Wheat State Retreat Center. The other one's called Woodston Family Camp. And Woodston Family Camp, we have, I think it's about five acres that's in Woodston, near Woodston. Does anybody know where Woodston, Kansas is? Uh, yeah, <laughs> so she's been there. And uh, so it's kind of northwest up by Stockton, Osborne area. Does that make sense? And so uh, right off the road, we have about, I think, about a 120-bed uh, campground. We've got this huge barn uh, that they use for a chapel, and this camp is used, guess what, one week a year. And so we're beginning to now look at how we can use that uh, to grow, and uh, we want to continue to work on that campground as well so that we're using it through the summer and then possibly seeing what we can do as far as the fall, spring time. Uh, so we're growing in that way. So this is why we need your help. We need you to pray, right? Camps are proven to be one of the most successful ministries that we have in the state. You with me? So we need to continue to remember to, let's pray for these camps. Let's pray that God continues to bless that God, you know, God continues to show us where to put our resources, how to use them uh, correctly so that, and, and again, we, we probably had 50 groups at, at Wheat State this year, all four, all, we, we do it, listen, we do what we do so that we can continue to have youth and kids camps at Wheat State. That's why we do it. We're going to do it, we're, we're going to do our best not to raise prices uh, so that we can continue to keep it affordable for our own family. That's our goal. Uh, and one day, hopefully, um, is this being recorded? Yeah? Sort of? Okay, sweet. I, I don't want to say stuff and then go, yeah, you said that. It was recorded. We have big plans for what we can do outside of Wheat State for our own churches in the state of Kansas. Um, wouldn't it be cool to see churches planted because of revenue that we're now creating? Wouldn't that be cool? So pray. Pray that God continues to bless. Uh, pray for our leadership. Pray for the people that work there. Uh, pray for our staff. Pray for us. We appreciate that. Next is serve. Um, I have a church in Anthony, Kansas. They come up and they bring probably 80 to 100 people for a weekend every year. And uh, they redo lights. They redo ceilings. They tear down old buildings. Sometimes they help build up new buildings. Uh, they've done siding, painting, landscaping. Uh, it's cool. I also have individuals that come out and say, I'll bring my truck and a chainsaw, and I'll help clean up some of the trees. So it can be one person. It can be a group of people. It can be 100 people. Uh, we just love to have people coming and serving. Serving, volunteers have saved us literally hundreds of thousands of dollars that we'd stayed over the years. Next is invest. When I uh, ask for investments is this, make sure uh, kids... Uh, go to camp. Make sure kids get to go to camp. I didn't get to go to camp as a kid. My, my parents couldn't afford it. So every, uh, every time I, I, I can, I mention it. If you know of families that can't afford uh, to send their kids 
I can't make sure they go. It'll be the best $200 you invest in a year in someone's life. I promise. I promise. And next is give. Uh, if I could have the ushers come, there's a, uh, some um, clipboards. And um, so this is a, a new way that we've uh, kind of begin to think. How, how can we continue to generate revenue so we can move forward? We're at a place to where we're breaking even at our camp, which is great. Uh, we're able to sustain and, and pay our bills and pay the, our electric bills like eighty dollars to $90,000 a year. It's huge, right? And so we've got some big bills to pay, and we're, we're breaking even. We have over the next 10 to 15 years probably about 2 to $3 million in renovations we need to do. So that's where we're asking for your help in this idea. It's called Wheat State Forward, and um, if you... This again, there's no pressure. You put your name, put your email, write it where we can uh, read it, please. And then a monthly commitment. Now, here's the thing we have about 20,000 people that call the Assemblies of God home in Kansas. 20,000 people. So, what if a thousand people said, I'll give $10 a month? That's $100,000 a year that we can put towards renovation. That's doable, isn't it? $10 a month. That's, that's like one mill of McDonald's now, isn't it? We can do that. And I love it. A person this morning came up and said, you mind if I just pay that all at once? And I'm like, that's totally fine. You can do that. And, uh, but what we'll do is if, if you give us your email, we make it really easy. I'll send out a link around the first of the month. It'll say Wheat State Forward. It'll show you some of the stuff that we're working on. We'll tell you about what God's doing at the camp. And there's a little button at the bottom that says Give. And you click it, it'll send you to a link where you can just punch in $10. And you can set it up as a reoccurring. And just say, here's my $10. It'll reoccur every month. And we make it as easy as we can for you guys uh, to be able to bless the camp. Amen? So you can go ahead and pass that around. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, uh, thank you uh, for continuing to partner with us. And, uh, you know, I had a lady this morning. She said, I went to Wheat State when I was 15 years old. She went in 1960. So Wheat State's been around since around 1950, I believe, is when it started. And uh, story after story after story, pastor, evangelist, uh, it's amazing to continue to see what God does. But thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to come this morning. And uh, so God bless.